Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Oh my god we are back we are back see we're back bro we're back but we're going to be here for 10 minutes folks because it is what it is and you know the uh the way the uh, things are today you will only be in, uh, on here for 10 minutes we're gonna break down some news and whatnot and then we're gonna get into the heavy meat and potatoes over on our platform roguenews.com where you can find us over there uh, as well as on twitch and dlive Okay, and uh, we could also, uh, of course, this broadcast will also be later <clears throat> uploaded to Rumble. And then later on, we'll have locals and all the other uh, platforms like Odyssey and whatnot. But roguenews.com is the perennial place where you can find us. We will be there. Uh, we all know the situations here on mainstream platforms. And we all know. So it's great to be back. It's great to have all of you. There's a lot of people, according to our data and our metrics, that don't realize where we are today. So, you know, it's good to have all of you here uh, listening to us again on YouTube. It's been several, several months. Uh, now you get to follow us onto our platform. You'll know where we are. We're going to throw all the links into the description box as well as onto the feed so you guys will know where we are uh cj will also post it into the live chats as well so this way you guys can follow us uh over uh <clears throat> with that being said uh there's a lot of things to get into we're going to get into a couple of things here and then we're going to transition ourselves off of here so cj good morning bro how are you man doing great man doing great weather here has just been absolutely amazing uh mm -hmm. it feels like Truly feels like an August, and it feels you know, being able to look outside and see uh, green grass and everything. You know, typically we go through that hot summer months, and by now the the grass is kind of brown and turning. But it's just just been gorgeous the past couple of days. I'm enjoying Absolutely. it. Absolutely, uh, it's been a great morning. Uh, lots of things going on. <clears throat> and again, he's just posting up those links over at the live stream. And um, let's get into our first news. You know, let's get into our first news. We're gonna get into. The U.S. Fed opens pathway for crypto banks to tap central banking system. Okay. Now, it's pretty interesting. Um, Siege, what, let me ask your opinion on this. Then I'll, you know, get into the, the, the nitty-gritty of this particular article, man. But uh, what, what's your thoughts, Siege, on this, this latest news that all of a sudden the Fed is opening a pathway to help crypto-friendly banks here in the banking system? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's it was pretty much inevitable. Like when you look at the amount of, of funds in terms of what was flowing into cryptocurrency that was kind of disruptive, obviously, to traditional uh, banking, uh, traditional in, investments. I think the Fed had no choice but to to allow this to take place. And I'm, and I'm sure that the banks were getting a little bit frustrated with seeing uh, some of that capital flight that occurs from either the stock market, from uh, either uh, traditional IRAs, whatever, into sure. the crypto market. And so I think this kind of expands, the, I think what they envision, it kind of expands the, uh, the, the monetary system in terms of what they have visibility to and how they can kind of interact within the crypto uh, market. So, yeah, I mean, again, you know, we, we talk about this numerous times with the, the, the idea around the beginnings of, of, of crypto was to decentralize and bank away, break away from some of the 
the traditional Fed monetary systems that exist, the banking systems that take place. But now we're seeing kind of a merger V of um, of, of it. And, and maybe they feel they have to. I'm, I'm, I'm sure when you look at the large scale of its coin desk, um, Bitcoin, you know, these they became pretty much financial institutions. So the only way that they can keep the system going in terms of keeping money flowing in is to cooperate and to fall in, fall in line with some of those regulations that are that are taking place. And unfortunately, sometimes it's, it's you know, again, it kind of breaks away from some of the ideas uh, to me in terms of what crypto was kind of, uh, of, of thought of as far as being disruptive to the traditional banking system. But now we're seeing just kind of a merger and, and a marrying of the two systems. Absolutely correct. You know, when um, when a lot of this crypto stuff was happening, I remember like back in 2017 and Crypto Cowboy, who's been on our show several, several times, uh, Cowboy could, uh, could vouch for this and you know could vouch for what we've been saying since 2017 and 18 is that we've had over the course of several, several years, lots of Wall Street institutions come in. And back then I told everybody, hey, guess what, guys? You know, if you need to get crypto, you know, it's a good time to get in because these prices you're not going to see again. And at that time, you know, BTC was at what three thousand bucks, you know. And sure enough, it is right now. When you look at uh, Bitcoin, when you look at Ethereum, when you look at a lot of the major cryptos that are out there. It's an institutional game, especially with Bitcoin. Now, it's pretty interesting because a lot of people uh, within the crypto space, which originally started out as, "Hey, you know what? We're we don't need a middleman capital system. We don't need a system." where uh, 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 the bank is the middleman to all of our transactions. We're, we're creating this beautiful thing called blockchain. And that is the beauty of blockchain. It's an immutable trust and, 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 and um, you know, honesty generating machine. That's what the blockchain is. And we've gotten away from that. And you see the entire industry that, that moved away from that. I, I truly believe that what killed the crypto industry and got it into bed with Wall Street was the entire ICO craze. You remember that, Siege? Oh, every, absolutely. Every absolutely. other week, somebody was concocting a white paper about some sort of altcoin that no one's heard of, that has no utility, that has no purpose. And people had a gambling mentality where they would go ahead and invest heavily onto basically vaporware. And that's what killed it because that brought down the regulators on the entire industry. It squelched creativity, innovation, and then it promoted centralization. And lo and behold, here we are today where, it, like I said before, it's an institutional game, a total institutional game. And now to ratchet things even further, okay, in the last three years, a lot of these uh, crypto companies – Rather than trying to innovate and utilizing the, 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 the power of the blockchain, utilizing the innovation that they supposedly have within their own coins or utilizing the power and potential of existing coins like Bitcoin, like Ethereum, like Monero, right? They decided, hey, you know what? We're going to create platforms. We're going to create decentralized apps or dApps or whatever, right? But then we're going to go ahead and start seeking Wall Street funds, right? And then a lot of banks started getting involved into what's called, you know, oh, we're going to be more crypto friendly. And what, and, and, and then the crypto industry said, oh, this is wonderful. We have crypto friendly banks. But what people do not realize, okay, and, and, and as someone who's worked <clears throat> closely with a, with a major player um, out of New York that is a quote unquote crypto friendly bank, and knowing some of the ins and outs of these guys, I will tell you this. The level of scrutiny, the level of compliance, the level of AML and KYC that has been brought upon these quote-unquote crypto-friendly banks by the Fed itself, by the Federal Reserve, and by the banking industry is a level that I've never seen, okay? So a lot of these, 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 these banks that want to take part in this wonderful, innovative field called, called crypto is now being forced to get in bed with the Fed. And we're going to cover that, not in this broadcast, but over in our our, our streams on Twitch and DLive and, of course, on Rogue News. And, Siege, we're going to also touch base 
on the Mar-a-Lago raid, we're going to give uh, this, this whole thing between DeSantis, Trump, this, that, and the other, right? And we're also going to cover right, some of the, uh, the, the private equity that is uh, being thrown at candidates. And you can kind of see where the money's going in terms of who's winning. We're also going to be mentioning the record amount of foreigners who sold a record amount of U.S. stocks in the last 12 months. And I'm really going to dig into China dumping more U.S. treasuries in June than any other time on record. So we're going to right now cut off YouTube, and I want to thank all of you for joining us here on YouTube. Follow us again, and see, so just got it listed right there. Just go to twitch.tv, rogue news, you know, backslash rogue news TV, or go to roguenews.com where this will be in its entirety. And you can also get us on DLive and other platforms as well. So, with that being said, we're going to catch you guys over on our other platforms. Follow us over there. Yes, we're back on YouTube, but we want us in our entirety. You want us to get in depth on what we just talked about. Follow us onto our other platforms. With that being said, see you later, YouTube. Say bye, YouTube. (laughs) Say say bye, CJ. (laughs) See ya. All right. So we're done with uh, YouTube. Yeah, give me one second. All right. That was perfect, man. We are back and we are uncensored. We are live. Siege. We are unshackled. We we are set. It looks like all streaming is set. It should be hitting Twitch, all the other destinations. So I think we're good to go. We're good to go. All right, guys. So getting into the whole entire, uh, you know, crypto friendly banks. Okay. Let's talk about that real quick. Right. Monday's announcement would seemingly move the U.S. Central Bank one step closer to possibly allowing Wyoming Special Purpose Depository Institutions, SPDIs, like Custodia, formerly Avanti, and Kraken Bank, access to these accounts so they will not need intermediary banks. The Fed first proposed guidance last year, opening up a request for a comment process. Nearly 300 respondents filed comments, leading to a second public feedback process earlier this year. In a statement, the Fed Vice Chair, Lael Brainard, that's a great name, Brainard. The new guidelines provide a consistent and transparent process to evaluate requests for Federal Reserve accounts and access to payment services in order to support a safe, inclusive, and innovative payment system. The guidance is largely similar to what was first produced in 2021 to create a multi-tiered system allowing the Fed to adapt its evaluation process for granting access depending on what kind of financial institution is applying for. Now, here's what's strange. Okay, what does this all mean? Okay, it's all gobbledygook. What does it all mean? Every single, quote-unquote, crypto-friendly bank today, and there's quite a few of them. I'm not going to name them all. Some of them I know personally. They are smaller banks. And a lot of these smaller banks have to deal with intermediary banks, larger banks, in order to settle wires, especially international wires, major domestic wires, and whatnot, right? So what this ruling with the Fed is doing is saying, okay, fine, you know what? We're going to give you access to the Fed wire system so you don't have to. You don't have to, you know, be part of this, uh, you know, you, you you don't have to worry about being a fringe bank. You can have access to the Fed wire. You can have, you don't need an intermediary. Come on board with us. That's what they will say. And you'll have access to liquidity pools, and you'll be more quote unquote official. This is the vampire inviting you in to his castle. This is literally a serious. This is William. This is John Wayne Gacy saying, "Come on into my house." This is Jeffrey Dahmer saying, hey, you know what? Uh, here's some coffee. 
wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And you drink it and you're all drowsy and woozy. You're wondering, hey, this coffee's not waking me up. It's putting me down. Because he slipped you something. Now you're going to get hacked up. You're going to be eaten, cannibalized. Folks, let me explain something to you. Every single one of these quote-unquote crypto-friendly banks are in for a rude awakening. The level of compliance, okay, do you realize that they are forced to rat on their customers? They are forced to give not only who their customers are, but in every single transaction, they are forced. Let's just say, you know, I'm a crypto company and I happen to, you know, purchase coins or I'm a crypto OTC trading desk and I purchase coins and I'm selling coins and I'm trading coins and I'm selling trade. Oftentimes, what is asked by these quote-unquote crypto-friendly banks will be the transaction ID for the trade. They want to know what you traded. Why? Because they are being forced to keep meticulous records as per the Fed on every single one of their clientele who are quote-unquote handling crypto. This is the complete opposite of anybody who's involved in crypto want to do. People who are involved in crypto are all about freedom. They're all about fungibility. They're all about utility. This doesn't do either. This further centralizes the control, right? Number one. Number two, it also provides a learning experience for the Fed member banks to monitor and see how the smaller banks are quote-unquote handling crypto companies. OTC trading desks, brokerages, so on and so forth, exchanges, yada, yada, yada. Why? Because what these smaller crypto banks don't realize, folks, is that the bigger players, the household names, the, 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 the JP Morgans, the, the Wells Fargo's, the Bank of America's, the city groups out there, right? They are studying this. Why? Because they are going to launch competing products. How do I know that? Remember a couple of months ago, maybe three, maybe four months ago, I talked about the Bank of International Settlements. The central bank, other central banks have went out there and literally said, hey, you know what? We're going to allow any bank out there, any geostrategically important bank, right? We're going to allow you to have a certain portion of your reserves in Bitcoin. So already the edict is there. Because you got to understand, why are they doing this? Because when you look at the market, when you look at where things are with the, with the equities market, there's very few places left for private equity money to flow into, except crypto and commodities. This is where it's heading. And so they want not only a bigger play on this, but they want bigger monitoring on this. And this is why I laugh today when I watch guys like Anthony Pompolino and all these other guys out there, and I laugh. I laugh because these guys, they're naive. They don't trust banks and this, that, and the other, but at the same time, they think Bitcoin is the answer. Now, if you've gotten in Bitcoin and you got in early, it's wonderful, it's great, you've made a killing, and it's going to get even higher. Why? Because there's nowhere else for dead institutional money to go to. There's nowhere else to go to. And this is exactly why. And I said months ago, before they brought down the BTC price, I told you exactly where it's going to go. I even said it's going to be bouncing around between 21, 23, maybe 24 for the, last, for the next several weeks, for the next several months. And that's exactly where we are today. So why are they doing this? There is more institutional buying that is happening now in the marketplace than in any other time before. The BTC value is high enough to keep the average American out of the market. The average person in the United States is priced out of the BTC market. You can buy maybe 500 bucks worth of BTC, 1000 bucks, 10000 bucks, but how many people could outright buy cash BTC at 23000 Not many. How many people are going to buy it when BTC is 50 or 60, or 70, or 80, or $120,000. Nobody, very few people, but institutions can. They are buying it at a huge clip. And we're seeing the consolidation. Why? Because this is part of, number one, the next stage of money printing, the next stage of the, quote-unquote, the next bull market that's going to happen, starting, the, 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 you're going to see the fruits of it, 
starting around February, March, especially into April, and then you start seeing it on a full rage coming next August. I'm sorry, next fall. And cryptos has a big part to do with that. Commodities, gold, silver, platinum, palladium has a big part in that. So does some of the industrial metals. So does some of the strategic metals. So, so does some of the rare earths. Cobalt, vanadium, molybdenum, rhenium, hafnium, gallium, infium. There's very few places for private equity left to go. Why? Because the market's tanking. Right? Look at this article real quick. Foreigners sold a record amount of U.S. stocks in the last 12 months. China dumped more USTs in June. According to the latest data on Treasury's international capital flows, foreigners sold $231.5 billion in U.S. stocks in the past 12 months, the biggest trailing 12-month sale on record. The biggest. Why are you seeing this? You are witnessing the end of Bretton Woods. You're witnessing the end of the financial system that many people have relied upon. You're seeing the end of the unipolar world. And they see the handwriting on the wall. So they're dumping. We heard about Michael Berry. See, you heard about Michael Berry from the Big Short? Yeah, he's out. CJ? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Testing. One, two, three. CJ! Testing. It's UV. He's had to step away. Anyway, Michael Berry from the Big Short is pretty interesting. Audience, can you he hear me? He liquidated his entire portfolio. Hello? And he holds just one stock at the end of, of Q2. After blasting the latest stock market meetup as silliness and claiming correctly that the U.S. economy is facing a gruesome crash in tweets that he then promptly deletes, conveniently, other, other accounts of a snapshot of those tweets, Michael Berry, who runs the smallish Scion Capital Hedge Fund, has done something few of his peers would consider doing. He traded in, I'm not saying this guy's right, uh, you know, he's been right on, 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 the, on the big short into the, 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 you know, the, the 2008 crash, right? I don't know if he's accounting for the amount of manipulation in the market today as it was before, right? But he's liquidated everything. He's liquidated everything except for one stinking stock. That one stock that he kept is GEO Group. GEO Group. Who the hell is GEO Group? They are an operator of private prisons. And he's previously invested in, but had dumped all of his holdings at the end of 2021, only to sport a modest $3.3 million or a 501k share position as of June 30th. Most notably, as shown in the charts below, this is the only security he held on to as the end of Q2. So he's dumped everything, all the tax shares, this, that, that. Could he be right? Possibly. But the point is, is the sentiment. Forget about what he's dumping, what he's short. The point is, what is Michael? Look at the sentiment of what Michael Berry's doing. He's getting rid of his, his shares. Foreigners dumping $231 billion in U.S. stocks in the last 12 months. Foreigners have sold stocks for six consecutive months. Again, the second longest stretch on record with the nonstop selling in mid-2018 to early 2019 was longer. Aside for stocks which saw a $25.4 billion in sales in June, every other asset class was bought, treasuries, you know, $58 billion agencies. Now, why, why, are, why are American banks buying treasuries? Folks, you got to understand, TARP never went away. You know, people talk about quantitative easing. They talk about twist. They talk about ZERP. They talk about soon-to-be NERP. Negative interest rate policy. That's coming. So why are they still buying treasuries? Why, why are American banks and Western banks, European banks, still buying treasuries? The same reason why American banks and European banks and Western banks are also still buying subprime auto loans. They're still buying subprime mortgages. Nothing's been fixed. Why? The TARP program is still on in full swing. They're using U.S. treasuries to buff up their books, to make it look good. 
buffing up the books gives a positive to their stock valuation. On that stock valuation, which they, what do they do? Stock buyback, stock, they trade their own stock, they buy back their own stock, they sell their own shares. It's just manipulating out of manipulation. You want to talk about the greatest circle jerk in the world, you look no further than the equity markets here in, in, in the United States. You look no further than that. But the rest of the world's dumping. China dumped U.S. Treasuries for a seventh straight month. And, and, and after this latest shenanigans, where five U.S. politicians showed up in Taiwan, Taiwan is not a country, folks. Taiwan's never been a country. But these idiots want to fly over there and talk about it as if it's a country and separate from China. It's the most insane thing in the world. The U.S.'s own State Department on their own website expressly points that out, what I just said. That this is an internal domestic dispute with China. And what do these five morons do? Well, they don't care about the international ramifications. Why? Because we have morons that run this place. We have morons. They don't care about the ramifications. They want, you know, it's midterms coming up. We want to look good. We want to posture and show some strength. Maybe one day I have a, a vision of becoming a, a U.S. president, so I got to go there and do a photo op. These people are insane. See, have you ever seen the videos of Nancy Pelosi in Tiananmen Square? No, no, I have not. Is it a fake video, Siege? Is it a fake video? Is your, is your audio out, buddy? No, it's yours, V. Check your volume. Check your volume. I can't hear you. Yeah. Everyone else can hear me in the stream, wait but you. Minute. Okay, wait a minute. I think I think my, my computer is on the yeah. front. I think it's check it. It has perhaps muted you need, itself. You again. need to get rid of your Apple yeah, stuff, I told you off. this many times. Uh, I'll put it. It's weird. I don't know what's Log going on. back in. Log back in. I can't hear you. <laughs> well, just type if you need anything, CJ. I can't hear you. It is what it is. Uh, it is it's all good. It's all good, Siege. It's all good. Um, Nancy Pelosi, right? Let me see if I could pull this up. Okay, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen this. This is Nancy Pelosi Oops, in Tiananmen Square. To be a private chat. Nancy Pelosi in Tiananmen. Tian. Tian. Tiananmen. There he is. This is uh, Nancy Pelosi in Tiananmen. I could say Square. some really mean things right now. I don't know if anybody's right seen now. that video. Has anybody in the chat seen this? Because we couldn't, but the hear me anyway. In the world. I'm going to play this for you guys. Okay? You guys are going to be like, what the heck is wrong with this lady? Yeah, it's audio on my end. I think, yeah, I can't hear my own audio, guys. This is weird. <sighs> okay. Um, share screen. This is Nancy Pelosi. World order in China this morning. There was a small reminder of that. It happened in Tiananmen Square, where two years ago, Chinese troops brutally cracked down on students protesting for democratic reform. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Until they themselves uh, went to Tiananmen Square. He shows up with three three students in the middle of Tiananmen Square. If you don't know anything about Tiananmen Square, this is Operation Yellow This was an entire CIA, PSYOP, covert op. An entire thing. And here's Nancy Pelosi. We all hold dear. It happened so quickly that security people line. were caught off Out of guard. nowhere. They quickly intervened. And the cops were like, what the hell are you doing? That was a very private and special moment for us. Ben, that, uh, I, you know, I don't know how they took we didn't these lying sex that. craps. Absolutely lying. Look at them. Uh, holding a flower. A site of a of a CIA backed insurrection, just like in Ukraine, Operation Yellowbird, which was originally run in Burma back in the eighties, which was repackaged, brought to Hong Kong, and then unleashed on Tiananmen Square. These three dingbats are there doing doing their thing, similar to the five dingbats who showed up. So, what does this mean? That means that China is going to be dumping more of their shares. They'll be dumping more treasuries. 
It's the most insane thing. Siege, your thoughts. Uh, while you do, while you talk, man, I'm gonna try to fix my <laughs> my audio. <laughs> okay, go ahead, V. Yeah, get that audio fixed. Yeah, I mean, I think you're spot on. I think as this escalation of the collapse occurs, it's gonna it's gonna drive more and more money out of the uh, U.S. Uh, financial institutions. More, a lot more foreign money because people are seeing the the writings on the wall that's occurring. Um, and for the likes of me. And I'm I'm thankful that Xi and and Putin have a lot more patience than I do, uh, because I would not be able to tolerate this level of stupidity with American foreign policy. I would not, whether it's the uh, strikes in Crimea, Crimea uh, that are occurring right now. Apparently, there was another one, another missile strike that occurred. You know, the United States is playing an active role in that war. How long will Russia say? You know what? We're, we've had enough of your silliness. Um, but I think I, I don't think that they want a major war. I think everyone kind of understands and kind of the same thing with China. They understand the magnitude, the loss of life, the destruction that occurs, the magnitude of, of money that has to be spent into rebuilding from the war. So but but it, it's hard for me as an alpha not to construe that as as weakness. Um, can you hear me now, V? Yeah, I can hear you. I switched okay, over cool. to a Bluetooth uh, earbuds, and I'm okay. talking on my mic. So okay, sweet. So yeah, so basically, I was just kind of rehashing, but you're spot on in terms of the conversation. I, I was just be, I was just stating that I'm thankful for the patience that Putin oh, yeah. and Xi have in regards to dealing with American foreign policy stupidity. Because if it was me, I would not be able to tolerate that. <laughs> I, I would, so I, would be ha- I would I would be having to put my foot up somebody's ass by now, whether it's the bombings in Crimea or it's the silliness of sending U.S. diplomats into uh, Taiwan. I, I just I'm thankful for their patience and their maturity that are all things that that I wouldn't have at this point. V. You know, it's remarkable to me, Siege. This is the ch- you, you know, Western brainwashed people will look at this and and because they've been programmed, they've been brainwashed to think of freedom, so much freedom, right? They would see this as a posturing of strength, letting the the the, 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 the stupid Chinese, the backward Chinese know who's boss. They don't realize that where China is currently, economically speaking, China has escaped terminal velocity. When it comes to United States sanctions, they've escaped that several, several, several years ago. China is in a position economically that is much more stronger than the United States. And I love it. I laugh when people of who are of, of you know of economic backgrounds look at me and say, Well, you know, V, we still have the, the most liquid market in the world. Liquidity based <laughs> No, we don't. No, we don't. And liquidity in what? Debt? Exactly. <laughs> where where is exactly. that coming from again? Help me out here. The the fake equity market where you have forty percent of the Dow, forty percent of the companies on the Dow make no money. We have prosperity without profits. We have a you know we know that money velocity is the lowest it's been since nineteen seventy three. So if money velocity is the lowest it's been since 1973, and if 40% of the companies on the Dow Jones Industrial make no money, and we're in an era of prosperity without profits, and we're in an era where margin trading is up 400%, we're in an era where insider trading is up 600%, we're in an era where stock buybacks are up almost damn near 1,000%. My friends, these are not signs of the most liquid market in the world. These are all signs of an of a solvency crisis that is manifesting itself currently as a liquidity crisis. So no, we're not even close. So I laugh at that. So the delusional Western stooges will look at this. Oh, it's a great thing. This is a joke. This is the equivalent of let's just say the United States had a problem with I don't know. Let's just say uh, Florida, right? <clears throat> And all of a sudden, China sends delegates to Florida to talk to the governor there. And then China spends money in order that 
opposition candidates win local elections there, basically their own stooges. And then China sends their intelligence agency into Florida to fill the Floridian space with propaganda, with with uh, leaflets, with anti-American government uh, 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 you, you know, uh, views and propaganda and misinformation. How would the United States feel? Like, yo, this is crazy, right? This is nuts, but this is exactly what we're doing. So this is insane when they see moronic congressional idiots, right? And good God, did my mouse just freeze? Okay, good. When they came, when they show up after this moron, this chief moron, whose face, and the Chinese don't forget, whose face has been emblazoned since Tiananmen Square, Operation Yellowbird, part D. And she's back, this time in Taiwan, an internal domestic matter. Taiwan is not a country, right? Strangely, it's, it's insane. And then, they bring five more delegates to, to show up here. U.S. congressional delegation, led by Senator Ed Markey, <clears throat> arrived on Taipei for a two-day visit. So what do you think that is going to do for China and the, and, and the world as they're holding U.S. treasuries? What are they going to do? They're going to dump. Why would you want it? Like, this is insane. CJ. Well, I think V. I think what you're you're missing is that you know we we have the ability to hypothesize, you know, in terms of the value uh, of our of our debt, right? Like it's it's understated how much value there is to that debt. Oh yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> debt is valuable, Siege. <laughs> That's the word we can hypothecate. You know, um, you know, um, our government, our people, our tax receipts. I mean. People don't understand the value of that. And that's what other countries are not understanding is our ability to create debt and the value of that. <laughs> yes. Invest in the United States. We... <laughs> peak, peak stupidity is what I call it. Dude, it really is. <laughs> and, and hopefully at some point someone will, will buy into that. Uh, <laughs> well, the Europeans are. They love the it. Europeans, yeah, the P Europeans love it. They're like, bring it on. What, what, other, what, what else can debt. you sell us? <laughs> can, can we buy more of your debt, please? Please <laughs> sell us more. We want more. <laughs> no, it, it, dude, it, it, it's it's clown world. We're living literally in clown world. It's incredible to witness this siege. Absolutely incredible to witness this. And then, last but not least. Let's get into the predicted, and this is predicted, which is like, you know, you have, um, it, you can place bets on who you think is going to win in politics, right? So predicted is that type of a site. Now, you could say that, hey, you want Trump to win, but you could actually feel that, you know, DeSantis is the better, the better choice. And over here, if you look at predicted, DeSantis is actually favored to win by two points over Trump. And I think that's going to possibly get bigger, right? I, I, I think what Trump has done, Siege, and I, I know you, you'll agree with me on this one, he has proven himself to be a buffoon. He has proven himself to surround himself with the wrong people. He's probably one of the most misadvised presidents that we've ever seen in a long time. I mean, this is incredible. And the guy is great. I mean, I like him. His heart is exactly where it should be, trying to win back this country. But, dude, he needs to be surrounded by competent people who know how to fight and win. That is something that he does not have. DeSantis knows how to fight. He's not the best tweeter. He doesn't rage tweet at 3 in the morning. He doesn't have snarky comebacks for the media. But he knows how to punch them so hard that it hurts. Your thoughts, Siege? Gosh, yeah. I mean, it almost it almost hurts to state it because I think so much more, you know, could have been accomplished in regards to what the energy, the following, the vision, the potential of of what could have happened. Uh, you know, during during Trump's administration. I guess to coin it best, I think that there's 
certain levels of, of, of management that are best uh, suited for certain, certain positions. And, and, and if we were going to state that Trump would have been that CEO of that, of that company, that institution of the federal government, within that, you still take a look at who are your, who are your, your strongmen, who are your, your directors, who, who manages your, your operations, uh, who manages your, your human resources, who manages those. And you ideally, you put the strongest people in those positions because you can manage from a higher, a lot higher level, knowing that you have those people who have the ability to execute. And that's what the, the, the pitfall was of, of the Trump administration was that he was the right person uh, to, to build that vision, to uh, energize and to bring, get people excited about things. But then the pitfall was, was assigning those people into those key roles in those positions who lacked the ability to execute. And, and, and if you don't execute properly in anything, right, in, in business or personal goals or, or family, if you don't have the ability to execute, then nothing else matters. And I've said this time and time again, results matters. You know, it's, it's not about feelings. It's not about how you feel. It's not about how excited you are. It's, it's results driven. And so many times I see a lot of people, a lot of people who do, you know, companies and startup, they're excited about what they're doing and they feel very productive and they're, they're doing a lot of things. Well, that's great. I'm glad you're doing a lot of things, but are you, are you, are you, your perception of what those, that busyness is, is it yielding the results that you want to see? So I think in the best case scenario, <clears throat> if you look at this in regards to DeSantis and Trump and, and the ability, like if let's say, for example, for the 2024 election cycle that's coming up, you know, you have to consider that many factors, right? Like, you know, everything from the, the ability to raise uh, funds for the campaign. Yeah. I'm very confident that, that Trump probably would be much more of a, of a stronger candidate to raise a lot of money uh, oh, for, for the RNC, right? Like mm -hmm. he, he's, he's great. He's great at that. He's a great marketer. He, he, he knows how to, uh, to get the crowd excited. So he's good at those things. Uh, but what he needs is someone at his side that knows how to execute someone that knows the, uh, the political side of it, who's been, maybe, maybe Trump would have been ideally better suited at some point to, get into uh, state politics, maybe as a governor or something of that suit, just to get how politics involved and how the, the interweaving of understanding how laws and jurisdictions and constitutions work within the state premises. And that's what has made DeSantis so effective is that he understands the Florida state constitutions and how to operate within those parameters to achieve certain goals. And, and, and at the federal side of it, it it's, it's much more complicated. Like, even if DeSantis went to the federal level, he would face the same red tape, the same challenges that Trump did. Uh, but at the same time, he would probably be able to uh, immediately form a response and to do the right protocols in place to ensure those systems were, were put in place to achieve the goals. And, and simple put, like, you know, for example, when Trump took over, you know, he had a majority of the House and Senate. Now, granted, that was uh, led by, I was calling Tom Ryan, and that's not his name. What was his name? He was the VP candidate. Uh, Matt Ryan, not Matt Ryan. Matt, oh, my gosh, Ryan. Ryan. His last name is Ryan. Somebody in the audience, point me out here. Oh, my God. I know. It's on the tip of my tongue. Paul Ryan. Wasn't it Paul Ryan? No. It, it may have been Paul Ryan. Ryan. Somebody's going to type it up here in a minute. It was yeah, Paul. 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 Yeah, Paul Ryan. Yeah. So, so total, have, total what, neocon. Yeah, so what, what should have happened at that point is that he should have had a point person assigned to Paul Ryan to meet with him on a daily basis and say, Hey, tell me about your goals. What are you working through? What are you, what are you doing? And I'm going to, you know, okay, great. I'm, I'm, you know, this is your, this is, your, this is what my policies are. This is the directions I want to go as president. So I want you to take these, take what you said in consideration and, and here's where I'm going to add value. And then at, at the end of the day, Paul, let's meet back in my office about 5 PM and let's talk about what things got you micromanage it to a certain extent. You micromanage at the beginning you don't just leave it up there and say he's the right guy and I'm going to hope for the best because we know what happens when you hope. So, so again, just, you know, getting back to it from an operator standpoint, I know I'm being very long winded, but I think, you know, Trump could have very well benefited from someone who were, were, were not necessarily politicians who, but who were able to operate within the, 
the confinements in regards to what Washington, D.C. looks like. And I'm not going to pretend that I know what it is. I, I, I don't. Uh, but uh, in a long term goal in terms of our republic and changing things, if we do take the midterms, which I'm confident that we will. And it's going to be a lot of red tape for Biden to really execute anything. That's why he's been forcing a lot of these policies, you know, whether it's the in, uh, reduction Inflation Reduction Act or all the spending, the reckless spending that's taking uh, taking place in regards to Ukraine. I think he understand that understands that it's going to be a lot more difficult for him in two years when he loses the House and Senate. Uh, you know, he'll be a lame duck president at that point. Right. So then you start leaning into 2024. Uh, we as Americans just have to be smarter about uh, relieving some of our emotional side of it. Yeah, we're pissed off about the, the raid. We're pissed off about the way that Trump is treated. But does that really warrant? giving him the opportunity to lead our country again. We, we just need to think properly through that V. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head, Brent. You know, it doesn't, I mean, I mean, I love the guy. Don't get me wrong. He's great, but it's like the best thing he could do. I mean, he's an amazing um, uh, person that could raise a ridiculous amount of capital. Uh, every, pretty much every single one of the candidates that he has backed, during these midterms has won. They've won their primaries in a big way. Uh, I think he's great at that. I, and I think he should help with getting DeSantis out to the forefront and then allowing DeSantis to build an absolute killer team and take what he's done with the successes in Florida, which was very offensive. He wasn't playing defense. You know, oh, he wasn't always on his heels, but he was the one putting the liberal establishment on their heels in Florida and allowing DeSantis to do that at a national level. That's what we need. We don't need somebody who's a charismatic figure, this, that, and the other, whatever. We need somebody who's charismatic enough, but is much more effective at getting things done. And I think that's what Trump, I mean, that's what DeSantis has over Trump. He has maybe, Hell, maybe you could have a Trump DeSantis ticket, Trump president, because Trump is damn good at the international stuff. International relations, the guy's amazing, right? And then keep DeSantis as an active VP cleaning up the domestic issues. That could work at a one-two punch. We'll see what happens. But it's not, but the current state of things and, and, and the way you know things are going, I, I, I'm not so sure, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But that being said, Siege, we have some uh, some key pictures here from the latest IRS and their 87,000 uh, agents that is being trained right now to go to you. Hold on. Don't, don't play that yet, Siege. That's, a, that's, okay. a, that's an incredible video. That's one of the inspirational talk of today that we need to take to heart. Okay? So I, I want to show you this picture. This is this is hilarious. <laughs> Oh, I know which one it is. Look at these. There, there it is. <laughs> That's the future of our protection. Right there. Uh, right there. And look, it gets better, right? You have, oh, man. Let me go back. You have one guy on a wheelchair, right? And you have another person fixing their hair. It's, it, it's incredible. And I, and I think it's, it's absolutely hilarious man let me see if i could share this no 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 i can't share that but dude it's it's so funny it's so funny let me see if i could go back here and uh, i can't darn it anyway it is what it is see you want to close off we have some inspirational words from the number two okay she's literally the number two do you have that, Siege? I mean, I have that queued up and ready. Yeah, here we go. All right. Well, lay it on us, Siege. We know that we really are quite behind in terms of maximizing our collective understanding about how we will engage on the technology of today and what we can quickly and easily predict will be the technology over the next decades. So to maintain our position as the United States of America on this issue, it is critical that we work together to understand where we are, 
to recognize and have the courage to speak truth about what is obsolete, and then to partner to ensure that we are speaking the same language with the same motivation, inspired by the opportunity of it all. <laughs> the hell is she talking about? Of updating how we've been talking and thinking about our exploration in space. We know that we really are quite behind. Dear Lord, I'm lost. <laughs> Max, I want to go. I want to go hit my head against a wall right now. <laughs> what the hell? What the hell was she talking about? What is she saying? I have no idea what she just said. It's just gobbledygook, man. It's just word salad. It, it ma makes no sense. But that's that's number two. Literally so it, number two. Yeah. So it 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 sounds something like this, B. It is critical that we partner to ensure that we are speaking the same language with the same motivation, inspired by the opportunity of it all, but then doing the work of updating how we have been taking, talking, and thinking about our exploration in space. <laughs> Yo. The only thing that's massive amount of space is, is between her ears because there's like nothing there. It's hollow. <laughs> like who writes this for her? And what type of an idiot you have to be to think that this is this is cogent and, and, and cohesive and and, and, and pertinent and and, 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 and and clear. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Anyway, folks, that is our inspirational quote of the day from number two, who literally is a number two, if you know what I mean. Um, and that's uh, the show for today. I don't think we we have we don't have Matthew on today. We'll have him on later in the week. We also um, have Cynthia on later this week, his wife. Yeah, let me open up uh, Telegram real quick because I I saw a message flow through. Yeah, yes, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna reschedule with with yep. Eric. And then, yeah, next week is um, Cynthia will be on next Perfect. week. Perfect. And, folks, like with that being said, we are at the end of the broadcast. We'll be back. Same bad time, same bad channel. It's V and CJ. We're over and out. That being said, CJ, take it away, brother. <laughs>